1: That is why we lift up the name of Jesus on this program every day. Our teaching pastor is Dudley Rutherford, and we join him right now with today's message.
2: Tuesday night, we had a banquet for people who are brand new to our church, and they don't know why we're doing what we're doing. And we had over 100 people, and I love telling the story and sharing the dream. I told him a story that i want to tell you as we start this morning several years ago when we started this process of raising the funds i asked tim the executive pastor for a list of our top givers i said to him i don't want to know the amounts don't put any amount down i don't want to. i don't want to know what they give i but i want to know who are the people who give the most because I want to get a hold of them and make sure they're on board. If we're going to build a big building and a new worship facility, they need to be on board. I, want, I just want to make sure they're on board. Tim gave me the list, and the number one person on the list, and Tim said, This person has been the top giver in our church for the last 10, 12, 13, 14, 15 years. And no one even knows who he is. His name is Francis. And he came to church, he sat in the back, he'd come, sit, and he'd leave number one giver in this whole church some 10,000 people and so there was a phone number I called his nephew answered the phone and uh, I said I need to talk to Francis and uh he said Francis is in a hospice down in Orange County he only has a few weeks left to live and I said well I'm the pastor of the church and he said oh pastor he loves he loves your church And he said these words to me. He said, the reason he loved your church, the reason he gave all that money was because you preach from the Word of God. And he said these words. He said, Francis loved the fact that you stood for biblical marriage. He loved the fact, he loved the fact, he said, he loved the fact that you protect the life of the unborn child. He said, he loves the fact that your church is not politically correct and he doesn't have a family he lived alone he didn't have a a, he didn't make a lot of money but he just he was frugal didn't have children saved every dime and he just wanted to give to that church he's the number one supporter of this church and he's in a hospice down orange county i said to to this man i said do you mind if i go pray i'd like to pray with him he said no he would love that said he's he's kinda in and out he might not even recognize you he goes i think he will recognize your voice he goes, but you can go see him. So I go down to Orange County. I think it's raining that night. And uh, I met the nephew. I go into this room, and here's this elderly man laying down. You could tell he doesn't have long to live. I brought him communion, and I took that little tiny wafer, and I broke it in half. The guy said he can't swallow. He says, you can't feed him anything. I said, I oh, don't know, but I want to give him communion. He goes, I know he can't. I said, okay, okay, so I took the communion, I broke that little piece of bread just a little tiny piece of communion bread and I put it in his mouth and it just kind of melted in his mouth and then I took the little cup of juice you know I just felt like all that he's done for our church that before he dies I, I need to go thank him for all that he did and no one even knows who he is right so I put this little cup of juice to his lip and I just literally literally just a drop came out and hit his lip and kind of rubbed it and I took a towel and I kind of wiped his face and I prayed over him and I left about a week later I was going to go to Palm Springs and I called the nephew and I said do you mind if I stop and pray for Francis one more time and he said no that would be great he goes I want you to know that I won't be there and I said that's fine I know how to sneak into a hospice (laughs) so uh, I go down there he had digressed you could just tell he didn't have long to live I went over and I read some scripture, I prayed over him, and then I wrote him a note. I wrote a letter to him. And I just left it there on his nightstand. And I said, dear Francis, I just want you to know as a pastor that uh, we love you, and we're praying for you, we wanna thank you for everything you've ever done for Shepherd Church. My prayer is that you wake up in this life. But if you don't, and you wake up in the next life, and you wake up in the arms of Jesus, that's even better. We love you, God bless you, and I signed my name. And I left. By the time I got to Palm Springs, I'd received a phone call that Francis had died. And the time that I'd left his house, by the time I drove to Palm Springs, I was so thankful that I was able to stop by and just thank him and pray for him one more time. Amen? Amen. Now, Tuesday night I told that story and I had the number wrong. I did not know this, but the nephew said afterwards that he was the one in charge of the estate and that Francis had made it very clear that after he died that half of his estate, didn't know how much it was, was supposed to go to Shepherd Church towards the new, the new building. I was told this week uh, from the woman who's in charge of, of all that, keeping track of all that, that so far from Francis' estate, he has given, post-death, $800,000 towards the new building. $800,000. And none of us even know who he is. But he came to this church because we preach from the Word of God. And there are going to be 80 seats when we do the chart that will be designated, uh, sponsored by him. Uh, I don't want anyone to ever forget. Uh, And for as long as that building is there and the gospel is preached, the people who sit in those 80 chairs and who get saved, Francis has a part of that. And all God's people said, Amen, Amen, Amen. Now, I got three things. I got to go over them fast. Three things that you need to get a, a handle on today. All right, a grasp on. Number one, I want you to have a praise-worthy perspective of God. I, I want you not to think of God as someone who just gives you stuff, although He does. I want you in your mind that whenever you think of God, that your hands just kind of automatically just go up and you say, thank you, God. I praise you, God. I honor you, God. I love you, God. You need to have a praiseworthy perspective of God. Psalm 145, verse three in your Bibles. I love this verse. It says, great is the who? Great is the Lord god is most he is most worthy of praise and i love this next line which is the title of the sermon in fact his greatness god's greatness no one can even fathom the greatness of god that means that we're not even able to fully even understand the greatness of god no man can even measure the greatness of god the smartest person in this room does not have the intellectual capacity to even comprehend the greatness of Almighty God. Some 800 times in your Bible, you'll find the word great. And every time you see the word great, you need to see what that word is referring to. And not all, but most of the times that you see the word great, it's referring to some attribute of God, his great mercy, his great strength, his great love, God's great compassion, God's great faithfulness, God's great power. Psalm 150 verse 2, write this down. It says to praise God for his surpassing greatness. So whatever your intellectual ability is to define or to imagine a greatness, God surpasses greatness according to Psalm 150 verse 2. And my point to that is, don't you ever put limits on what God can do and wants to do through you. It's the word little, that adjective little, when placed before particular nouns, is indeed a most contemptible word. And I wonder if it's a word that correctly describes a generation in which we live, especially when it comes to the church People with little faith, saying little prayers to a little God, expecting little answers, giving little time, giving little offerings, expecting little return. Ladies and gentlemen, our God is a great God. Psalm 150, he surpasses greatness. Do not ever underestimate his power, his strength, his ability, and never doubt for a moment what God can do and will do through you and through me and through this church. Secondly, you need to understand that we are involved in a powerful partnership with God. You see, step one, not only is he great— But he allows me to be in partnership with him. You see, everything I have comes from God. The house that I live in is not my house. It came from God. The car that I drive is not my car. The car belongs to God. My time came from God. The air that I breathe comes from God. The strength that I have comes from God. The voice that you can hear this very moment comes from God. The clothes that I'm wearing come from God. My heart that beats inside my chest comes from God. My toothbrush <laughs> is God's toothbrush. And the toothpaste is from God. The Bible says in James 1.17 that every good and perfect gift comes from above. My family comes from God. My children come from God. My wife comes from God. This church comes from God. You come from God. My time comes from... Everything comes from God. I'm in partnership with God. I want you to look at Deuteronomy chapter 8. It's in your notes. I'll read it quickly. You may say to yourself, Self, my power and the strength of my hands have produced this wealth for me. But remember the Lord your God, for it is He, the Lord your God, who gives you the ability to produce wealth. And what I learned from Matthew chapter 25, and I don't have time to go into that, but everything I have comes from this great God. He places it in my hands, and according to Matthew chapter 25, it's my job to manage and to steward on behalf of God. I'm in partnership with God. Why would I ever think small? Why would, have I, why would I ever not think anything except all things are possible through my Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ? I want you to write this down. Write this down. It's in your Bible. Write this down. It says in 2 Corinthians that we are co-laborers with God. We are God's fellow workers. We're in this thing called life together. It's not just me trying to learn how to be a husband, which I'm not very good at. It's me and God trying to be a better husband. It's just not me trying to raise three kids. I don't know how to raise three kids. I'm, they don't come with a manual. It's me and God trying to raise those three kids. It's not just me trying to build the church. It's me and God trying to build the church. It's not just me and me doing ministry. It's God and I doing ministry. It's not just, I want to see the world one to Jesus Christ. God wants the whole world to come to Jesus Christ. And he uses us as we're co-laborers. We're, I want you to get this. God is a great God, but I'm a co We're in this thing together. Amen. Amen? Leads me to my third point. Write this down. God's promises are perfect. They're perfect. So he's great. He invites me into this situation all because of jesus christ praise god and i read through his word i see all these promises 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 and they're all perfect i want to show you just a few i just want to read through them luke 6 verse 38 it says give and it will be what given to who to you this this is god's business plan a good measure pressed down shaken together running over will be poured where where will it be poured Into your lap. And then it says these words, For the measure you use, it will be measured back to you. Now, what is he saying? Jesus says, You give me a spoonful, I'm going to give you a spoonful. You give me a wheelbarrow full, I'm going to give you a wheelbarrow full. You give me a bathtub full, I'm going to give you a bathtub full. You give me a swimming pool full, I'm going to give you a swimming pool full. There's only one difference. When I give back to you, the measure you use, I'm going to use that exact same measure. I'm going to give it back to you. The only difference is this. When I give it back to you, I'm going to stomp on it. I'm going to press it down. I'm going to to fill that whole bathtub. I'm going to shake it, get all the air out of it, let it settle down, put some more in there, jump on it some more, push it down, get all the air out, shaking together. It's going to be running over, and then I'm going to pour that into your lap. Look at that verse one more time. just want to read it to you. Give and it will be given to you. A good measure, pressed down, pressed down, shaken together, running over, will be poured into your lap. For the measure you use, it will be measured back to you. You cannot outgive God. You cannot do it. Proverbs 3, look at it. Proverbs 3, verse 9 and 10. Honor the Lord with your wealth, with the first fruits. Everybody say first fruits. And that's what we all mess up because we give God, we don't give God the first. We pay all of our bills and whatever's left, oh, here God, here's a little tip. Biblical giving is where you take everything God gives you and the first thing you give, you give to God a portion and you live off the rest. My parents taught me that when I was a little boy. Been doing it my whole life. A dollar, I give God a dime. Ten dollars, I give God a dollar. hundred dollars, I give God ten dollars. thousand dollars, I give God a hundred dollars. Ten thousand, I give him a thousand my parents taught me. I, I don't know anything but that. And this says this. Honor the Lord with your wealth, with the first fruits of all your crops, not the leftovers. Verse 10. Then your barns will be filled what? Overflowing. It's a principle of God. Look at 2 Corinthians chapter 9, verse 6. Just a couple more here. Remember this, that whoever sows sparingly, you reap what? Sparingly. And whoever sows generously will reap generously each man should give what he has decided in his heart to give not reluctantly you should never give anything listen to me don't give anything if you feel like you have to give it for god loves what kind of a giver cheerful giver i've been to churches i've been to churches where the preacher says it's time to take up an offering and the people know god's word so well they actually stand and start they start clapping I say we're going to take up an offering, and they're, oh, man, another offering. I can't believe this is ever going to end. I'm, this, this is ridiculous. God loves a cheerful giver. Malachi 3.10, bring the whole tithe. The tithe is a tenth. That's what that word means. Bring the whole tenth, not the last tenth, the first tenth. Bring it to the storehouse that there may be food in my house. Test me in this. Only place in the Bible God says test me. And see if I will not throw open the floodgates of heaven and pour out so much blessing that you will not even have enough room to contain it all. And so you have three things the greatness of God, and the fact that this great God is in partnership with you, and you have these perfect promises. And there's only one question that remains, and the question is this Do you trust God? Is God trustworthy? And I want you to look at Matthew 6, verse 26 on the screen. It says, look at the birds. Does it say bird or bird? Is it plural or singular? Plural. Look at the birds of the air. They do not sow or reap or store away in barns, yet your heavenly Father feeds them. And then he asked this question, are you not much more valuable than a bird? Did you know this very moment that God is feeding trillions and trillions and trillions and trillions and trillions of birds in Africa and in Asia and in Mexico and in Europe and in South America and Hawaii and in your backyard? And just in case you think God doesn't have anything else to do, this very day he's also feeding trillions and trillions and trillions of fish and whales and sharks and bluegills and bass and trout and all the streams and the oceans throughout the entire universe. I have a little five-gallon tank at my house. I can't keep a goldfish alive for a week. <laughs> and God is so big, he is so able, right now while you're sitting here, God is busy feeding 7.3 billion people on this earth three meals a day, and some of us four and five mils a day. And if God can feed 7.3 billion people, and he can feed the fish of the sea, and if he can feed the birds of the air, and if he can feed the plants of the field, then trust me, God can take care of you. I'm not worried about that. Go to Malachi 3, the end of your, uh, the Old Testament. Malachi 3, verse 6. It just says, I, the Lord, do not change. How many of you know that God is the same yesterday, today, and forever? He's the same. You and I, we change every day. Every day we change. How many of you are older today than you were yesterday? A little older, a little slower. Change every day. God never changes. He never changes. Oh, descendants of Jacob. And spiritually, just in case you don't know, we are all descendants of Jacob because it's from the lineage of Jacob that Jesus came. And if you're in Christ, you belong to that lineage. Verse 7, ever since the time of your forefathers, you have turned away from my decrees. There's always people who turn away from God. And God says, return to me and I will return to you. But you ask, well, how are we supposed to return to you? Where's the return counter? I know where the return counter is over Walmart over at Target, but where's the return counter to you, God? He asked this question in verse 8, will a man rob God? Yet you rob from me. You ask, well, how are we robbing from you? And he answers, in tithes and offerings. And what he means is that some of you are driving around with God's tithe. You're spending God's tithes and God's offerings when those things belong to God. Verse 9, you are under a curse, the whole nation of you. And I know churches. uh, There are churches today that are cursed because the people in those churches do not know how to give biblically. And there are churches who are blessed because people know how to give biblically. Look at verse 10. We read this earlier. Bring the whole tithe into the storehouse that there may be food. Test me. Only place you find, test me, says the Lord Almighty, and see if I will not throw open those floodgates and pour out so much blessing, you will not have enough room for it. Now I want to read to verse 16, 17, and 18. Go to the end of that chapter. Those who feared the Lord, they talked with each other. And the Lord was doing what? He was listening. And they wrote what the Bible calls the scroll of remembrance. They wrote down. In other words, they wrote down the names of the people that were going to fear the Lord and honor the Lord. And start to give to the Lord what belonged to the Lord. And they wrote this scroll of remembrance. It was written in His presence concerning those who feared the Lord and who honored His name. Verse 17 And God said these words, They will be mine in the day when I make up my treasured possession. I will spare them just as in compassion a man spares his son who serves him. And you will again see the distinction between the righteous and the wicked, between those who serve God and those who do not. And all God's people said, Amen.
1: It's a blessing for us to bring this program to you every day. 4777. That number again is 888-818-4777. We have operators standing by and ready to take your call. You can also support us by going to our website, liftupjesus.com forward slash reach. That address again is liftupjesus.com forward slash and then the word reach.
3: We live in the most distracted culture in the history of the world. We see about 10,000 messages every day. We even touch our phones about 2,000 times a day. We're literally being overwhelmed with information. That's why there's no better time than right now for Dudley Rutherford's remarkable new book, One Thing. Rediscover a simpler faith in our complicated world. In this timely book, Pastor Dudley invites you to open your Bible and look closely at seven key passages of scripture, where you'll find the beautifully uncomplicated phrase, one thing. These scriptures will quiet all the noise that you're hearing and call you back to a simpler faith. Dudley Rutherford has discovered the secret of how to focus our lives on the one thing that matters. What if you could find that simplicity? It's waiting out there. And this is your roadmap to freedom. Contact Lift Up Jesus today and get your copy of One Thing, the book that could finally change everything.
1: I'm Kyle Welch, inviting you to join us tomorrow at this same time as we again lift up Jesus with Pastor Dudley.